If we would open our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, so the New Testament, the book of 2 Timothy, we've been in this book for a while, we've been in chapter 3 for a while, there's a lot of instruction in here for us, we're in chapter 3, and chapter 3 of 2 Timothy begins that, he says, this know also, Paul speaking to Timothy, said, that in the last days perilous times shall come, dangerous times shall come. In verse 13, we saw that he said, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the, the message of chapter 3 up to this point is that there's going to be hard times coming. There's going to be dangerous times coming. It's interesting that the command then that Paul gives Timothy in the midst of dangerous times, in verse 14 he says, continue thou, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of. So he doesn't say to panic, he doesn't say to, to flee, he doesn't say to do something different continue in the things which we have learned so for us you know as we see the day approaching as we get closer to the return of christ which every day we are just logically speaking and we know that before the return of christ there are going to be perilous times as we see this around us what our instructions are to continue in the things that we have learned continue doing what we do not to change course because it's the last days not to change course because things seem to be going awry but continue and so it's a it's an exhortation from Paul to Timothy and, and Paul to us to continue. And one of those things we need to continue in is in the learning, the knowing of Scripture. And that's what he's going to be telling Timothy here in verse 15. So if you would stand with me, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. One thing we must continue in, and maybe we need to start, is knowing the Holy Scriptures. This is what Paul said about and to Timothy in verse 15. We read, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Timothy, from a child, knew the holy scriptures. I want to talk about knowing the scriptures this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the example of a Timothy, a young man who from a child knew the scriptures. And that that was able to, to furnish him to do the works that he was able to do and to serve you and to know you and to, to come to faith in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to be students, to study, to show ourselves approved, to, to read, to meditate, to memorize your word that we may know it so we may be thoroughly furnished also to do the works that you have for us. Lord, help us to be students and lovers of your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. So I want to talk about knowing the Scriptures, the importance of knowing the Scriptures. Timothy, we read in verse 15, that from a child had known those Holy Scriptures. Let's go back and look a little bit at Timothy's childhood, or at least where he grew up. Let's go to 2 actually first, Second Timothy chapter 1, just a page back maybe in your Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 1. One fact about Timothy, we read in verse 5. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5 says, When I call to remembrance, Paul is remembering, the unfeigned faith that is in thee, the true faith that he has, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So before Timothy came to faith in Jesus Christ, who believed on Jesus Christ in his family? His grandmother and his mother. It was first in his grandmother and in his mother, and Paul says, I, I'm persuaded that you have that same faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul saying Paul knew about Timothy that Timothy's faith was not the faith of his grandparents but their his grandparents his grandmother his mother instilled in him 
the knowledge of the Holy Scriptures by which he came to faith because it's the, we can have knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ and it comes through and begins with the Scriptures. So we see that Timothy and his mom and his grandmother knew the Scriptures. They, they came to faith in Jesus Christ. Let's go back and look at the town that Timothy grew up in. Let's go to Acts chapter 14. So the, the book of Acts, to the left in your Bible, chapter 14. In chapter 14, we're looking at Paul and Barnabas and their first missionary journey. Paul's first missionary journey when he went around preaching the word of God in all these different cities. And one of those cities he came to was a city that Timothy lived in, the city of Lystra. The city of Lystra. Let's look in verse 5, Acts chapter 14, verse 5. This is toward the end of Paul's first missionary journey. It says, And when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them, so these Jews and Gentiles were going to stone Paul and stone Barnabas, they were aware of it. So they, they understood they were made aware of this and fled unto Lystra. That's the city we're concerned with right here. Unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia. And unto the region that lieth round about. And there, at Lystra and Derby and those cities there, there at Lystra, they preached the gospel. So they were driven to Lystra because they were going to get stoned where they were at in Iconium, which isn't very far away. They came to Lystra, which we will see is the town, the hometown of Timothy. Let's go on in verse 8. And there sat a certain man at Lystra. This is Timothy's hometown. Impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who had never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, Saul said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycaonia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and, and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. So because Paul was able to heal in Jesus' name this man who was, couldn't walk and was impotent in his feet from his birth, these people of Timothy's hometown of Lystra said, The gods are in human form. Let's do sacrifice to Paul and to Barnabas. And they called Paul Mercury a messenger, because he spoke, they called Barnabas Jupiter, or Zeus would be the uh, Greek name for that. So they thought they were some of these Roman gods. So what I want to see here is that Timothy's hometown that he grew up in was not a solid Bible-believing town. Right? They believed in these Greek and Roman gods, and, and when they saw this, they were ready to do sacrifice to a man, Paul, and to Barnabas. They were given to idolatry. They were given to, over to this you know, Greek-Roman type of God system. So the culture that Timothy grew up in was not Christian. Would we agree? You got a town that's ready to do sacrifices to men thinking that that's Mercury and Jupiter. Okay, so that's what I first want to see is that Timothy grew up in a town that was not a Christian, not a God-fearing, not a God of the Bible-fearing town. It was a town that was given over to Greek and Roman gods and those kind of things right there. Still in Lystra, let's go to verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, which is just up the road from Lystra. These Jews came to, to Lystra, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. So the people of Timothy's hometown were so easily persuaded that they were ready to kill. They thought they had killed Paul by stoning so this wasn't a town that loved the gospel. It wasn't a town that, that just welcomed in the preaching of Paul. They, they first thought he was a god, and then they stoned him. 
And they, they left him for dead. They thought he was dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round right about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, and it taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls. And they went, and then they went back to their home church of Antioch. So the town of Lystra is a town given to idolatry, given to, to Greek gods, not, not being founded in, and grounded in the word of God. It was a, a town that would kill Christian missionaries like Paul. And this is the town that Timothy grew up in. But Timothy, from a child, knew what? The Holy Scriptures. And who do we think he learned the Holy Scriptures from? His mother and his grandmother. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 16. Because we could say, well, why not his dad? Why are we so you know, sure that it was his mother and grandmother? Well, we read in Acts chapter 16. After Paul and Barnabas had went back to Antioch, their sending church that sent them out on that first missionary journey, they had a conference down in Jerusalem with James and some of the other apostles. They went up back to Antioch, and then Paul says to Barnabas, hey, let's go. Look at, look at chapter 15, verse 36. And some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And that's how the second missionary journey began. They were going to go and visit these towns where they had preached the gospel and see how those churches in all those towns were doing. Ended up, they had a dissension between them, and, and Paul ended up taking Silas, and Barnabas took John Mark. And so they went back, and, and Paul is going to go visit many of these same cities. One of the cities that he was at the first time was a city called Lystra, where he preached the gospel. We didn't hear anything of Timothy or, or Eunice or Lois at that time, but now let's look back here in chapter 16, verse 1. Then came he, that is Paul and Silas now, to Derby and Lystra. There's that same town. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. That's Timothy. The son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. Okay, so this is how we know his mother was Jewish. His mother was Hebrew. His mother then First believe, remember in 2 Timothy, Paul says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that's in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois. So Lois' grandmother came to faith first, then his mother Eunice, and then in Timothy. Here we see that his mother was a Jew. Okay, which would make sense how then Timothy was raised knowing from a child the Holy Scriptures. It would be through his mom, not his dad. His dad was a Greek. We never read that his dad believed. Right? His dad actually was a hindrance, and, and Paul had Timothy circumcised so that to not hinder the gospel, and that's a whole other topic there, but because of his dad who was Greek. But Timothy, here already in verse 1, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, named Timotheus. So Timothy, by the time Paul comes back, is a disciple of Jesus Christ. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. And he's well reported of, look at this in verse 2, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium, the city up north a little bit. So all the people at Lystra, the church at Lystra said, hey, this young man, Timothy, he's, he's a good young man. He's a disciple of Jesus Christ. He believes and he's, he's ready to work. You know, he can do th some things for you. And so Paul, in verse 3, him would Paul to have go forth with him. And so Paul took this young man, Timothy, from Lystra, this town that was given to idolatry, this town that was easily persuaded to be an enemy of the gospel and stone Christians. Paul now took Timothy, who was well already doing works there, and the church, it wasn't like he had never done anything. The people in Lystra, in Iconium, said, this young man is a disciple, and he's, he's well reported of. He was given a good report. So Paul took him. And Timothy ended up being a great help to Paul. We read in 1 Timothy, 
that Paul had left Timothy in the town of Ephesus to charge some there that they teach no other doctrine. So, so he was like an extension of Paul's church planting ministry and Paul as an apostle helping get the churches right in doctrine and right in organization. Timothy was right there with him. So Timothy ended up being a great help to Paul. So Timothy, we can see his upbringing, we can kind of infer here that his mom, maybe his grandma, taught him the Holy Scriptures. And when did they start teaching him? That from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. So Timothy, in this town, in this culture that was anti-God, from a child knew the Scriptures. Now I think that's important for us because we live in a culture that is anti-Christian. That is, they're not, our children are not learning in the schools and learning here and there about the Bible. We're going to have to teach them like Eunice did, like Lois did, teach our children from a child in the home, teach them the Holy Scriptures. Okay, let's go back to 2 Timothy 3.15. So the time that we live in is not that much different than the time that Timothy was raised in. So Timothy knew the Scriptures from a child. We see that in verse 15. We can teach our children the scriptures. Okay, now let's say we don't have children. Let's say it's just you or it's just you and your wife or whatever it is. We are in charge of you know, our households, how much our households are immersed in scripture. Right? We as a family, Ashley and I and our family, there's been times we are very scripture-centric and, and scripture is, is just all day long. And there's been times that we, we fall away from that. And the difference is how much commitment, how much importance it is in our lives. Each one of us has the time. We have the Bible. We can make our homes. We can have our houses be very immersed in Scripture. And we can teach our children or our grandchildren, maybe that Lois did, to know the Scriptures from a child. You know, maybe we think, well, when my child gets older, then then we'll teach the Scriptures. Then we'll start learning these things. I want to look quickly at this child here in verse 15, the word child. It says, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. So Paul saying, Timothy, from a child you knew the Scriptures. Now the Greek word there for child is brephos. We don't have to memorize that word or know that word, but that word is only used eight times in the New Testament. One time here and seven other times. Let's look at the seven other times that this word brephos for child is used. The first two times, it's in reference to John the Baptist when he was in his mother's womb. Listen to Luke 1.41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. The brephos leaped in her womb. And she said in Luke 1.44, For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe, the brephos, leaped in my womb for joy. So the first time we see this word brephos for from a child, it's a child that is in the womb. Right, which is interesting that the Bible doesn't call it a uh, zygote or an embryo or a fetus. calls it a brephos, a child. Right, the Bible recognizes in the womb, it's a babe. The babe leaped in my womb. Right, it's not some other thing. It is a baby in the womb. The Bible treats it that way all the way, and we ought to as well. So the first time we read this, it's a babe, John the Baptist, still in the womb. The next time we read, it's going to be a babe that's just born, and it's actually Jesus Christ. The angel said to the shepherds, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe. You shall find the brephos wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe, the brephos, lying in a manger. So we see brephos, it was from a child in the womb and then a child that's just newborn. Luke 18, 15. 
Remember, there was lots of parents that brought their children. They brought unto them also infants, the Bible says. So here, Brephos is infants, that Jesus would touch them, but his disciples saw it and they rebuked them. So they brought infants. So what we see this word is, is even preborn babies in the womb, babies that are newborn, babies that are called infants. So when it says from a child, it's not talking from a nine-year-old or from a 12-year-old. It's saying from a very, very young age, from the infant stage. The next time we read this word is in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen is about to be stoned. So Stephen, this deacon, is giving his, his great sermon. He speaks of the Israelites when they're in Egypt. So he's given a history lesson of Israel. And he says that there arose a Pharaoh that, that didn't know Joseph, that didn't remember who the Israelites were, just saw them as a problem. And that saying that that Pharaoh dealt subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children. That young children is Brephos. And when we go back to Exodus, we see that Pharaoh charges people saying, every son that is born, you shall cast into the river. So it's talking again about newborns. So this, this word brephos, that from a child that was known in the Holy Scriptures, is speaking of a very, very young child. The last time is used in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, says, as newborn babes, it's all of us, as we're born again in Christ, as newborn babes, we're to desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. So again, a baby, a newborn babe, it says. So this where it says from a child, I give to you that it's not too early for us to teach our children the Holy Scriptures. We're talking about in the womb, just out of the womb, a newborn babe, an infant, one that's just born. We can start right away. Sometimes we think, well, I'll start later. We can start right away from a child teaching the Holy Scriptures. Right, it's an encouragement for us to do that. Making our homes, my home, your home, Scripture-centric. And let's say that we ourselves don't know the Scriptures. We don't really know. Well, today we can start. We can start right now because we don't we'll say, well, I, I didn't do it when I was an infant. I can't do it. No, of course we can. Okay, most of the people in the Bible, they came to faith as adults. You know, when we see the book of Acts, it, it was first generation Christians and they then started to learn and started to know and they, there was a time when they ought to be teachers teaching others, we ought to grow. We ought to study. We're commanded to study. We're commanded to read. We're commanded to memorize. We, all of us, it's never too late for us today to start choosing to know the scriptures. Look back at 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. It says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Now, what scriptures would Timothy have known? As a son of a Jewish woman, what scriptures? The Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't written there, right? From a child, Timothy knew the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all the way to Malachi. We have the Old Testament. We have those scriptures that God has preserved, the same scriptures that Timothy from a child knew. So that's important here that the scriptures that Paul is saying that Timothy knew from a child are the Old Testament scriptures. Okay, we may be tempted sometimes to just kind of ignore the Old Testament. And just, we, all we're going to read is New Testament, just new, new, new. Well, that's not true. Okay, that's not the way it should be. Timothy is commended that from a child he knew those scriptures. And God in his wisdom, God in his providence, he saw it necessary, he saw it beneficial to preserve all 66 books of the Bible, old and new. And right after, in verse 15, that he says to Timothy, you've known the Holy Scriptures from a child. Verse 16, he says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
Right? So he, he immediately talks about all the scripture, the old and the new, the stuff you knew and the stuff later. Look to 2 Peter, if you could turn there very quickly, to your right in your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Now, Peter, and this is when I was a new believer, I was like saying, all right, we know that God inspired all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Are Paul's writing scripture? Right? Jesus talked to Peter and said, I'll bring all, th- the Holy Spirit's going to come into you, Peter, and bring all things to remembrance. So we know that Peter, of all, the book of 2 Peter, that's going to be scripture. And look what Peter says in chapter 3, verse 16. Let's start with verse 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So he's talking about his brother Paul and the writings that Paul had. He says, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. So even in the original language, even at that time, some of the things Paul wrote were hard to understand. So when, when we find some of the things hard to understand, it, it, it was hard from the beginning. So Paul wrote some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, they twist, as they do also the other what? Scriptures under their own destruction. So here, Peter is definitely saying what Paul is writing, his epistles are Scripture. So right here when we read Paul saying that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, he's talking about the old and the new. He's talking about his writings, he's talking about Peter's and John's and James, all scripture, all that God has chosen to preserve, all that God has chosen to inspire through inspiration is scripture. All right, so the Old Testament, I want to look at that just a little bit, because the, the scriptures that Timothy knew were Old Testament scriptures. The Old Testament then is profitable for all these things it says in verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable. So I want us to not look at the Old Testament and say, well, that's not profitable. What Dusty's reading in Psalm 119, that's not profitable, that's Old Testament. We know that the Bible says of Jesus, God's only begotten son who is God himself, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the Lord, he changeth not. So when we read the Old Testament, we're reading the same, about the God, the way he has been, the way he is, the way he will be, we're reading and learning about God. God's covenant with Israel is different than his covenant with us in the New Testament, but the God himself does not change. So God, we can learn about God, we can know how God is, not how he was when we read the Old Testament. And Timothy was able to read and know the Holy Scriptures, the Old Testament, when he was a child. And those Old Testament Scriptures... We're able to make him wise unto salvation. Ready to receive the gospel. I would say that the information that we receive about God in the Old Testament makes us ready to receive the gospel. That the Old Testament is profitable for us. It's profitable to teach our children. I think this is a reason why witnessing in our world today in 2023 is different than it was in 1923, 100 years ago. Because I think the general population has so much less knowledge of the God of the Bible just as a foundation than they did 100 years ago. You think 100 years ago, in public schools, they would have a primer, a first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade primer called the McGuffey Reader. Right? The McGuffey Reader. 
was a textbook widely used in American schools from the mid-19th century to the early 20th century. The writer of the McGuffey Reader, William McGuffey, says this. Listen to this main textbook in the public schools 100 years ago. The author said this, from no other source has the author, that's himself, drawn from more copiously in his selections than from the sacred scriptures. So his number one source for this textbook used in public schools was the holy scriptures, the sacred scriptures. For this, McGuffey says, he certainly apprehends no censure. In a Christian country, he calls America, that man is to be pitied who at this day can honestly object to imbuing the minds of youth with the language and spirit of the word of God. So he consciously drew from the scriptures, put it into his readers, imbued the minds of the youth with the language and the spirit of the word of God. And so even if a a young man, a young woman didn't go to church, didn't come from a Christian family, if they went to school, their minds were filled with truths from the word of God. They would have a general idea of who God is. And then they would be made wise and be ready for salvation. Now, not so much. Now our schools... And still the majority of people are in public schools throughout this nation. The schools are actively anti-Christian, actively anti-God. If it, if it smells anything like God or creation or the Bible, they're so scared of it, they will not teach it, they will not touch it. But anything anti-God, they will teach. And so now when we go out in the world and we talk to people, it's not that they have this knowledge of, of God from knowing even the basics of the scriptures. It's totally foreign. Maybe what they know about God is just what they see some TV preacher or some, you know, best-selling book at Walmart, which may be totally off because it's people teaching people stuff. It's not the Holy Scriptures that Timothy knew. Right? We, regardless of our age, we want to be wise unto salvation. We want to know the Scriptures. We can be wise unto salvation. We can be wise in this world. We, we know God if we know the Scriptures. And here specifically, again, he's talking to Timothy. He said, from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Is that Old or New Testament he's talking about? The Old. So the Old Testament. The Old Testament is foundational to us. It's important for us to know the Scriptures, and not just the New, but also the Old. Why? I believe we, the New Testament only really makes sense if we know the Old Testament, if we understand that. Like, from the beginning, that God created the heaven and the earth. And, and after the sixth day, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, the Bible says. It's important for us to know that. That we look around and we don't see all the, the people dying in car wrecks and the disease and this, the wars. This isn't the way it originally was. It was perfect. It was very good until we read in Genesis chapter 3, the very beginning of the Old Testament, until sin entered the world. And then death came and death by sin. And then the curse came. And so we look at the world today and we know this is not the way God originally created. This is not the way we read the end of the book. It's not going to be at the end. But this is a cursed world. We see that if we read the Old Testament. We see reading the Old Testament. And if we read the Old Testament, it started with that and our children know that and we know that, we would understand and it would just be innate and it would be very easy for us to see that God judges sin. A lot of people in our world don't believe God will ever judge sin. They think God's just this, you know, fatherly, grandfather guy in the sky who's just happy. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter. But if you read the Old Testament, you see that God judges sin. Right from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 6, God saw the, the wickedness of the earth and that every thought of his mind was, and his heart was only evil continually, and God sent a flood to destroy mankind from off the earth, all except the eight that were on the ark. So from the very beginning, we see the flood, which is not some, you know, 
neat little nursery children's story. It's a story of God judging sin and, and God destroying man because it repented of them that he had made man. It, he was sorry he was, he, it was that he had done that because man had turned from him. So from the beginning in the Old Testament, we see God judging sin. We see Sodom and Gomorrah sending fire from heaven and destroying cities, God judging sin. Just what John was going through in Sunday school today in 1 Samuel chapter 7, you know, that God would send the Philistines upon them when they would sin, and, and when they would repent towards him, God would bless them and God would fight for them. But we see throughout the Old Testament God judging sin. That's something we learn from the Old Testament. That's something that's important because if we don't believe God judges sin, then why do we need a Savior? There's no judgment. God, God's happy with us the way we are. We don't need anything. That's just a crutch for people that want to go somewhere on Sunday morning. I'd rather stay home in my bed on Sunday morning. Unless we understand that God judges sin. Knowing the scriptures from a child helps plant that in us that God judges sin. The Old Testament also teaches us that we have sinned. Psalm 14 says, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And Paul uses that verse in Romans. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. The Bible teaches that we all have sinned. Right? Solomon said there's no man that sinneth not. And that's from the Old Testament. The Old Testament teaches that, that we're in a sin-cursed world. That God judges sin and that we have sinned. Right? The Old Testament also teaches us throughout that there is needed to cover sin, to forgive sin, a sacrifice. Blood needs to be shed. Blood is all over the Old Testament. Right? We see this in the Passover, that God's told them, your lamb should be without blemish, a male of the first year, take it from out the sheep and the goats, and keep it till the 14th day of the first month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it, shall kill this lamb without blemish, on the 14th evening of the 14th day of the first month. And take the blood of this lamb, of this perfect lamb, and strike it on the two side posts and the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat the Passover lamb. So there needed to be blood on the doorpost from a perfect lamb so that the death angel would pass over that house. Right? And if you read the Old Testament, you're very much acquainted that there's blood and there's blood sprinkled and their blood has to be shed. Without the, the shedding of blood, there's no remission. We see this throughout and throughout the Old Testament. So when John the Baptist opens up in the book of John in the New Testament, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, we, if we have a mindset that was built on the Holy Scriptures, it would make sense that if he's the Lamb of God, what happens to the Lamb? That Lamb is slain. That blood is shed. If he's going to take away our sin, he's going to die. So we could understand Jesus' death, Jesus' blood that was shed, because we understand and we're versed in and we're brought up and we're raised in the Old Testament and those holy scriptures. They're able to make us wise unto salvation. We're prepared for the message of Jesus Christ through the Old Testament. Through the Old Testament, we're prepared and we're ready for the Messiah. Just as the Jews were, were looking for the Messiah, we're prepared for what's going to happen next. We get done with the Old Testament. When is this Messiah coming? When is the one that's spoken of in Isaiah 53 coming? That was wounded for our transgressions. That was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep, the Bible says, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we're looking for a Savior, as we get done with the Old Testament, that the Lord would lay the iniquity of us all upon him, a Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. We can be wise unto salvation as 
his grandmother Lois, Timothy's grandmother, as his mother Eunice, and as he was, because they knew the Holy Scriptures. He was raised in the Holy Scriptures. This is an encouragement for us to make our homes, for me to make my home more Scripture-centric, to raise our children in the Scriptures. And if we don't have children, no matter what, we raise ourselves in it. We, we grow ourselves in the Scriptures. Right, let's not be anemic in the Scriptures. Let's become wise in the Scriptures. Like Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15, and from a child that was known the Holy Scriptures. That's why he could say to Timothy, just continue. Because Timothy knew the Scriptures continue in them. Continue in his word. May we do that. May we read the Bible, study the Bible, memorize the Bible, meditate on it, on the Scriptures. God forbid that we would have a gift like this, that we live in a nation where these are abundant, where if you want one today, we'll give you a Bible. And you could have a Bible and you can read it and you can study it, you can preach it. You can stand on the corners and preach it. You can talk to people about it. You can, you can pay for radio broadcasts of it. You can, we can do whatever we want with the Scriptures. God forbid we take this and, and we hide it under a bushel and we don't, we don't know it. We don't even know the Scriptures, even though it's right here before us. So we have this opportunity. So all of us, my encouragement to you is to know it. I remember a time in my life just sitting in a Sunday school class in a, in a church down in Kingman and a guy said, when I was older, there was a time I, I looked at all these men that knew the Bible, and I said, I'm going to learn the Bible. And, and I, th I thought highly of him that he knew everything about the Bible. But then he, he, it was simple. He just said there was a time in his life he decided he's going to learn the Bible. And at that time, I didn't know, and I kind of said, I'm going to do that same thing. I'm going to learn the Bible. And we start, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That's the way we can learn doctrine, and we can learn the Bible. And we, you, regardless of age, if you can understand what I'm saying, and you can read, that's why it's so important to learn to read. If you can read, you can start learning, and you can be like Timothy and know the Holy Scriptures. So let's not neglect the gift that we have. I encourage you to make a decision, to make a conscious decision to, to love God's words, to meditate in God's word, to read, to learn, to memorize God's word. May we, like Timothy, know the Holy Scriptures. I just wrote this verse down as Dusty was reading Psalm 119, verse 80, the last verse that Dusty said, said, let my heart be sound in thy statutes. And if we know his word, we can be sound in his statutes. We can know what his word says. Not be tossed to and fro by what the world says his word says, but we know what his word says because we know the Holy Scriptures. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you for giving us your Holy Scripture, for preserving what we have today, the 66 books, old and new. Lord, help us not to neglect the reading of your word, not to take it for granted, not to ignore it, but that we may be like Timothy and know the Holy Scriptures. Lord, help us to teach it to the young ones. Help young ones right here that are hearing my voice to, to be encouraged themselves to read and to learn and to know your word. Lord, your word gives us wisdom. The entrance of your word gives light. Lord, it's through your word that we know about your son, Jesus Christ, that we can be wise unto salvation. Lord, I pray that we can know your word, we can learn your word, and that we can all be teachers as well. For there's a time when we ought to be teachers, the Bible says, that we can teach others your word. Lord, I pray that we can be people of the book, that individually, regardless of what everybody else does, we can make decisions on our own to be able to learn your word and to study it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are dismissed.